Welcome everyone, happy Friday. Welcome to Kofefi Break on Unsafe Space. I'm Carter, and this over here is Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Hello, Carter. How How's are your... you? Oh, I'm okay. Uh, wait, I'm do we need to do any sh- top of the show announcements first? Uh... Top of the show, yes. Uh, for anyone who's new to the channel, thank you for joining us. We do a live show on Mondays and Fridays called Cafefe Break. You can find us online at unsafespace.com. We have essays. We have a store. We have book club. Book club. The next book club, we're currently reading Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged, and we're going to be discussing it on Sunday, August 23rd. If you would like to be a part of the video discussion, send an email to speak at unsafespace.com, or you can just be in the live chat when we do it. Excellent. Thank you guys all for supporting the show. Um, you guys donated enough that we are going to uh, the Better Discourse Conference in Milwaukee in just a couple weeks. Uh, one week? Is it one week? Two weeks? Is it next week? I think it's a week. I think it's, I think next, it's next week. week. Uh, next yeah. week, we're going to go do that. Uh, and so I appreciate that. If you want to support the show financially, you can always go to Subscribestar or just unsafespace.com slash donate, and there's ways to do it there. You can buy merch. Or if you don't have money, just share, like, tell people about us. Save Western civilization on our behalf. We'll be happy. Oh, um, yeah. If you want to support us, I was thinking of telling you, Carter, that we should do this once in a while. If you want to support us financially, we have Subscribestar or Super Chats when we do lives. But if you uh, can't afford to for- support us financially and you like the show, you can support us by sharing videos or um, go to iTunes. If you listen on iTunes, if anybody we, – we, we're, we're on a lot of different platforms. You can give us a review. Or you can give us a review on our Facebook page. Um, Carrie, that is something that we never ever mention, and it's it's we're a derelict in our duties. We never mention that there's an audio version of this on all of the, <laughs> on all of oh, the yeah. podcast platforms. We never mention it. Thank you for mentioning it. Yeah, maybe some reviews would be nice. Only positive ones though. If you don't like us, we're not anywhere on any podcast platform. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Carrie, I had that weird experience. On, oh, and Sorry. I was on an episode of, I just want to plug this podcast oh, quickly. It. It's called Cancelled the Podcast. And I really enjoyed both of the hosts, Rob and Desna. And they talk with people who have been canceled um, for a variety of reasons. Now, I'm a little different. I don't think I was canceled, although I get included in some canceled articles from time You're to time. Canceled. I'm self canceled. I took <laughs> I took myself out. But um, but like their first interview was with Ted Haggard. They have some interesting people on their podcast. Anyway, hmm. uh, I got to talk with them, and they just put that out this week. So it's called Cancelled the Podcast. And cool. if you're on iTunes, you can listen to it there. Check it anyway. out. Speaking of podcasts, or actually speaking of the Better Discourse thing, we all we also um, I, I think we're ready to put out. We had a conversation with the Myth Informed people. Uh, which I think is basically, I think it finished rendering on my computer last night, so we can put it up sometime soon, maybe later today or probably tomorrow or something, but um, you can check that out. Uh, So, and uh, yeah, okay, I guess that was it. Um, We already have a super chat. Wait, what? (laughs) Somebody asked if you had a rough night. I think it's because your shirt looks kind of crumpled forward, that's all. I don't know. Maybe it's tucked in too much. I have no idea. This is what this is what the people who listen on iTunes miss. Yeah, you miss all the great. You miss my crappy tie tyings. Nice, nice ties, but like I'm told, I can't tie a knot. Although this one, I did full Windsor it today just to make people happy. Um, 
What was I going to say? Yep. Oh, guess Good what? Chat. I found out that I'm a crazy Silicon Valley leftist now. <laughs> I, oh, this is funny. You mentioned this to me. Tell, I know, tell everyone. I just, this is this is what happens when you. Okay, I just want to say I want to yeah, preface, preface it. This. Go ahead. If yeah. You, people in our audience are going to start to notice this happens too. If you're in, one, if it's hard to put you in a box, like a lot of people who watch, I assume it is. Um, you're going to get called all kinds of names. Anybody who's in pursuit of truth, I think, is going to necessarily piss off people on ideologues of all kinds or people in any people who adhere to boxes and who prefer to view the world in a really easy black and white dichotomy. Right. So we get called alt right and stuff like that, which is absolutely false. We, I'm not even conservative. I guess on personal some personal issues I'm conservative, but anyway, not we much, get called though. that a lot. I mean, but yeah. then. Yeah. You get called a crazy leftist too. <laughs> yeah. So that was the th so. <laughs> so I've been in Silicon Valley for twenty years. I came here as a libertarian, and I was kind of you know they just give you the weird like oh libertarian you're a weirdo but you know I wasn't canceled like everything was fine it was fine and it was fine to be around the left the left was fine they were kind of the more classical carry style liberal, um, and uh, but obviously in the last few years they've gone full rogue as you would expect, cancel culture, literal fascists, calling themselves anti-fascists, radical leftism. And so my, my, my political views, which haven't really changed very much at all, uh, have not, now I'm a Nazi. Like now that's, <laughs> now I'm considered alt-right crazy Nazi because I don't know, uh, because they're Marxists and I'm not. And so I kind of got used to that. So I've, I'm used to this label where people look at me and say, you're a crazy alt-right person. What I'm not used to <laughs> is the reverse. And so I was on a show talking about, in fact, we can talk about this later if anyone's interested, but um, President Trump uh, was talking about doing this on, and actually now he's done it. But when I was on the show, he hadn't done it yet. He was talking about banning TikTok from the US, signing an executive order to ban TikTok. And, uh, and I had been on this show before to talk about some some security stuff because of my crypto background. And so I was talking about the TikTok stuff and I said, um, I even prefaced with like, you know, Trump's done some good stuff and some bad. Like I didn't want to show that I was, I actually voted for Trump for the first time, like that I voted in like 15 years. I voted, <laughs> I voted for Trump. I'll probably vote again for Trump in 2020. Um, so, but I didn't want to say but anything like that. you didn't say that. No, yeah. I didn't want to say anything like that. I wanted to just be like, look, you know, I'll try and be fair. And I was critical of him. I am critical of his TikTok crap and now his WeChat crap. I don't like it. Uh, I think it's probably a move. I think it's probably a negotiation tactic and he's going to walk it back and he knows that it's not going to work the way that he's saying and he's just negotiating. But that's beside the point. So I was critical of him and I talked about it and I and the host asked, well, if a Democrat wins in no in November, Will this likely get rolled back? And I said, well, yes, obviously. If a Democrat wins, I don't think they would take this stance. And then I said, but even if Trump wins, uh, I think this is largely posturing and I think it'll get walked back. So I was kind of trying to say I dislike it, but I'm, you know, calm down either way, basically. <laughs> the response, some of the responses from this community. Now, granted, this is a Chinese language podcast. So these people are, are Chinese and many of them are in China. Um, but a lot of them have had ties to Silicon Valley or whatever. And so it was people who had worked in Silicon Valley before from China 
whose comments were all, this guy is just a leftist shill. Everyone in Silicon Valley is a leftist against Trump. He's just another crazy Marxist leftist shill. (laughs) (laughs) Which uh, I appreciate the variety of insults. So thank you for categorizing me the complete opposite of uh, what I've been categorized for a while. So I I appreciate it. Yeah. Sincerely. it's it's, It's nice to be called the other thing. So. I still occasionally get called libtard if I'm on. It, yeah, and and uh, I always think. Wait, that's does funny anyone too. with an IQ over eighty actually use the words libtard? Is that a thing? I don't think so. It's just a bad. <laughs> it's a bad way to go. It's just not. I don't know. Libtard just. Uh, I don't know. It's just such a bad portmanteau anyway. I just. It's so horrible. Anyway, sorry, um, sorry, people who use libtard that are in the audience. Stop using libtard. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't sound erudite. Um, okay. We already have some super chats. Can we, let's, we just, and we, and they're yeah. unrelated to stuff. They're good kind of opening super chats. Okay. Meeks294 says, thanks in advance for keeping me from my chores at any time, Meeks. Uh, thank Meeks. you. Thank and, you. And <laughs> uh, you keep paying us. We will keep you from your chores all day long. You'll never have to work, uh, but your bank account will shrink. Um, <laughs> why bother? Says, uh, Hello, my fellow wrong thinkers. Hello, why bother? Hello. Uh, good to good to chat. Okay. Good to see you guys. <sighs> so that was my. There was story. a lot. There's a lot. What do you want to talk about? I there's I I have a few different stories I've been kind of sort of paying attention to, um, but I don't I don't have a strong desire to address any one in particular. At least at the beginning. Do you got anything that's burning, any burning stories you want to talk about, Carrie? I mean, again, there's so many examples of wokeness. It used to be there would be kind of before this went mainstream, there would be kind of like one or two things that happened that were really rose to the top that we would talk about. But now every day I get sent so many stories. It's like, did you see this <laughs> professor who was fired for saying Trump is our president? Did you see um, this is from, you know, this is from my kid's school. This is the critical race theory and the social justice ideology that they're pushing in my kid's school. It's just like constant. It's so there's everywhere. so many, it's but one is, um, I'm going to send this to you right now. NASA. Did you see this? Oh, I only saw a headline level of, a, I didn't dig into the NASA thing at all. So, uh, Look at I don't the, know. <laughs> I don't know what they could be talking about. Maybe you can, uh, educate me on this one. <laughs> Let me, let me find uh, it and pull it so up. So pull up the tweet, yeah. It's just, again, it's just indicative of how, just to make the point that this has gone completely mainstream, social justice ideology, because now NASA has gone full woke. I actually, speaking of libtard, I, when I shared this, I wanted to say NASA's gone full woke-tard, but then I, I refrained because I don't think libtard is a good Because I just insulted so. libtard, I'm sorry. I've ruined the, the TARD thing. But someone did just say, no, though, no, Carter is I on the left of my screen. I can say that for sure. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, funny. Sorry about that. All right, so um, um, I'm going to show this, Carrie. You ready? Yeah, yeah, pull it up. Okay, let's see. And and is. by the way, you missed you missed the point of that, which is okay. that I did not use. You didn't ruin Woke TARD, and I, I didn't use it for a reason because oh. I had to evaluate what I believe in and then I decided not because you don't like it (laughs) yeah I I think that's a good reason to not use it all right so here it is do you want me to read it or do you want to read it for the yeah you read it podcast audience I'm pulling up the article so this is a tweet from NASA (sighs) I'm sorry I'm already (laughs) 
I'm already not a huge fan of tax dollars. Like, I think space exploration is cool and I'm a nerd, but I'm not a huge fan of tax dollars going to NASA to start with. So I'm just going to take a deep breath. Here's, they're not even going to use them to go to space now. They're going to use them to, okay. As we work to identify and address systemic discrimination and inequality. <laughs> why are you, why is that what you're working? <laughs> NASA, NASA. NASA. What is your purpose, NASA? This is, this is what we talked about. When this ideology takes over, it becomes the prime, the primary purpose, and it becomes the lens through which everything is viewed. And so you see someone like NASA, NASA. <laughs> Say this, right. National, what, what is it? It's National Assimilation and Social Justice Association. Uh, <laughs> yes. Administration. It's become like the ACLU. The ACLU <laughs> is no longer about civil liberties. It's just about posing social justice ideology. All right, anyway. let me read the rest of it for the people listening okay. who aren't watching it. Okay, so as we work to identify and address systemic discrimination and inequality in all aspects of the scientific community, we are re-examining the use of unofficial terminology for cosmic objects, which can be not only insensitive, but actively harmful. Actively more. harmful. Wait, wait, I just Actively have a question. What, what possible are they calling, like, this is the N-word nebula. What county language uh, are they using that's offensive? Okay. I don't... Okay, so here are two they mentioned in the article. They're going to get rid of the terms uh, Esco, Eskimo nebula Eskimo and Siamese nebula? twins galaxy. Oh, oh, I see. So... Now, can we just stop for a second and, and talk about talk about how what people have been pointing out on my timeline, which is that what happened to teaching children that's, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What they say that this is this is not only insensitive, which you could argue it is. I, I don't actually think it is. I don't say I don't know anybody who I just can't imagine being. I'm trying to think of something similar with woman that would be, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, if it was called like the lady, the lady. I can think of some offensive things like the one I right. alluded to, like, but I can't imagine them using that. So. Right. But even if you are a person that thinks Siamese twins galaxy is insensitive, prove to me that it's actively harmful. They're using this phrase and what they're actually doing is they are actively harming people because they're teaching you to be fragile and to be fearful. And um, I know we talk about Jonathan Haidt's The Righteous Mind a lot on this show. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite uh, books book. in recent years. But we also read Jonathan Haidt's The Coddling of the American Mind. And it started with an article in The Atlantic. If you don't have time to read the book and you want to see what the book is about – Go look up The Calling of the American Mind, the Atlantic article from Jonathan Haidt. But he talks about how all science, all science points towards the fact that you don't make, you don't help people by uh, coddling them in this way and by try, telling them that words are dangerous and harmful. You know, this is doing the opposite. <clears throat> this is doing the opposite. This is making people, this is making this is why millennials have higher part of the reason one of the reasons let's say let's say I think it's one of the reasons why millennials have higher rates of anxiety and depression and yeah, suicidal I, thoughts. So as you know, I've been kind of investigating both I've been I've been doing my own investigation uh, into like the origins of some of this stuff, not you know, n not just reading other people's stuff, but like reading source material 
And, um, you know, to some extent you can argue that this is, and I know there's like a, we talk about critical theory or like with the Frankfurt school or postmodernism to some extent, you can look at like critical theory as, as responsible for some of this when they, they do conflate, like, uh, they, they do kind of justify violence and kind of conflate the idea of violence and other stuff, or, or at least justify it. But it was the postmodernists who, who kind of like obfuscated this distinction between words and violence. And like, they, they just played around with language a lot and were just like, well, you know, words construct reality, words are violence, words are harmful. And that, um, I think that notion is something that's extremely difficult for regular people to even wrap their head around as existing in like polite society. Like most of us, if I hadn't been reading this stuff and, and, and you and I hadn't been paying attention to this, it would be hard to imagine that there actually is a large segment, both of, we'll say they, the millennial class, but actually academia that has been pushing and honestly believes this words construct reality kind of nonsense and that violence is like words are violence words are harmful they harm you and um and obviously you know if you want to get technical about it obviously they're just uh they're just what's the what's the word um I don't want to say conflating they're overloading the term harmful like harmful they're overloading it harmful can be like do they hurt your feelings maybe they they could hurt feelings, but Maybe. that's not what harmful means. Like Maybe. in this, get used to being right? in the, alive and being a human. Your <laughs> exactly. feelings are going to be hurt. Exactly. And any any standard therapist in the past would say like, for someone to hurt your feelings verbally, you have to give them permission. Like part of having a healthy self esteem is being uh, being able to withstand it. Not that everyone you know, if you're ridiculed constantly, like it does wear on you. I'm not saying that has no. Uh, no effect. It's 100% your responsibility, but you do need to take some responsibility for how easily offended you are. And it's your job to not be easily offended by words. Otherwise, you can't exist in a, in a community of people who disagree with you at all. Um, and and this is intentional. I think they want minions who can't exist in communities with people who disagree with them. Because so long as the minions are their minions, they will automatically push people out of the community who aren't in agreement with them because they can't take it. They just can't psychologically take the disagreement. It's harmful. Uh, harmful. And and the other thing is that they are, we've, we've said this before, but if you're new to the show, the reason why they they try ultimately, like the end goal, you have to think of the ideology itself as being almost a living thing. And people are sometimes tools of the ideology. Um, Jordan Peterson quotes Carl Jung a lot by, for saying that like people don't have ideas, ideas have people. I think that's true of ideology anyway. I think people get possessed by um, cults of belief and then they're sort of animated by that cult of belief. So think of the ideology as having its own end goals, whether the person speaking it is cognizant of that or not. Um, the end goal of conflating speech or lack thereof or silence with violence is they want to be able to use actual violence against you. Because if, if, we, if we evolve to a place culturally where we suddenly agree with ridiculous nonsense like this that's coming from NASA, that words, the name of 
the name of this nebula is harmful. If we if we culturally arrive at a place where we all say words are harmful and uh, and that it's and we equate it with violence, well now we've just gotten to a place where we're more likely to think that actual physical violence is justified as self-defense against yeah. people whose ideas we don't like or against people whose words hurt our feelings or bother us, you know. It would be yeah. like saying they want us to live in a world where if someone on the internet calls me a bad word or calls me an alt-right person or Nazi or whatever, and I find that harmful and it hurts my feelings that I'm now justified in punching that person, you know, I don't want to live in that world. Right. There's always a, there's always a, the flip side of the coin that they're presenting, right? Which is silence is, sorry, words are violence. It's like, okay, that's one side of the coin. Our violence is just language. It's just speech. That's the other side of the coin. Like, yeah, uh, I totally agree with you. And, you know, we've talked about convergence before, like social justice convergence in organizations. And and we've said, uh, we didn't invent this concept, but we've said that the, when, when social justice convergence happens in an organization, they usurp the primary purpose of that organization. And they it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like how HIV takes control of T cells and like, and starts replicating everything what it wants, right? Like it starts, it takes control and replicates more HIV, I think is how it works. I'm not totally sure. Um, That's kind of what happens in the organization. They, they, they take over the primary purpose of the organization and they start replicating. And that's, you know, if it's Twitter in some sense, I mean, I don't like it, but no harm, no foul. Twitter just kind of dies. It's just, it's a microblogging platform. So, so Twitter dies, right? That that's what the ultimate end is like, the company stops functioning. Uh, but when you're sending people to space, you kind of need the organization to function. <laughs> like, I don't know. I predict that if this keeps going, there will be catastrophic accidents in NASA in 10 years. Because they're going to be focusing on the wrong thing. Their primary Absolutely. thing will be social justice. And how long until they start speaking two plus two equals five? Like, you know, how long until saying right. two plus two equals four is is considered oppressive? These things start off as ridiculous ideas in a fringe part of the the people who speak the ideology, and then they blossom into the mainstream. I mean, look right. at uh, what's his name? Um, gosh, who's that? He thinks he's a singer and a comedian and a Wait, and he an actor. He's a singer and a comedian and an actor. Uh oh, gosh, his name is escaping me. He's a black guy. He's uh, pretty mainstream. He anyway, he went on some show. This is a few weeks ago or a month ago. And he said that white people were inferior. And he made all these comments about that were very objectively, awfully racist about white people. And he was forced to apologize to keep one of his jobs. Um, Anyway, somebody in the chat will tell me his name. But that guy was merely expressing something in the mainstream that had already been expressed in the fringe like it starts in the fringe part of this ideology and then it goes bigger i'm surprised so, that he got in trouble for that nick that cannon, seems like nick just cannon. A thing. oh nick yeah, cannon yeah he did he basically said yeah white people are inferior and i think he said something about because we don't have melanin which that comes from ashley shuckleford ashley shuckleford is uh, a social justice a professional social justice who Um, white people pay her lots of money to sit in her workshops and be told that white people are inferior and demonic because we don't have melanin in our skin. And 
you know, so it goes from the fringe into the mainstream. So this whole this whole two plus two doesn't equal four thing now. We're all laughing at it. We're like, look how crazy these social justice academics are that they're trying to push this now. They and they are. It's it's really blossoming. They're succeeding all over. Tw- they're succeeding. Just wait. How long until that blossoms into the mainstream? We're no longer laughing because NASA is saying two plus two doesn't always equal four. Okay, well, good luck getting to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people argue they never got to the moon in the first place. I, I'm not one of them. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> teasing. Yeah. Uh, I, you notice that you notice that that something that strikes me. Oh yeah. Me, Wait. I, one quick thing. I just want to make a correction to the record. I forgot about this part of it. What? Yes, people. Several people in the chat said Nick Cannon actually only got in trouble for the anti-Semitic things that he said. He didn't get in trouble for the anti-white things. Oh, so he only oh, issued the oh, apology for the anti-Semitic things. <laughs> but saying that white people are genetically inferior was fine. That's fine. So, uh, but yeah. not Jewish white people who also don't have men in right. melanin. Um, yeah. So that this this is the thing that's um, it's just so obvious. But I, I I feel like I still need to point it out. I've seen he's not the only one I've seen recently make genetic arguments about white inferiority like because they don't have melanin or blah 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 white people have these genetic defects which make them bad. Um now I uh I don't think there's no genetic differences between races that's a new nuanced discussion I don't think it has anything to do with inferiority or superiority and we will we will talk to someone about that an expert soon but uh if someone said the reverse, I mean, we know what would happen if someone, if someone dared say, oh, melanin is bad, <laughs> like, oh, lack of melanin is bad. If someone were to say melanin is bad, also an abhorrent view, if someone were to say that, I mean, that would be, they that would be, would be the end. That would be the end of their career. Would that would be the end of everything. Roundly, yeah, they would be rightfully and roundly, um, pilloried. Like, it would just, <laughs> they, they would be, uh, they would be. Their life, their life would be at risk, seriously. Um, yeah. And uh, and yet, you can you can say <laughs> pseudoscience, right, uh, about melanin content as a genetic justification for your racism against white people, uh, so long as you exclude Jews, which isn't explained. Uh, it's, oh, and Broken Umbrella points out this also was coming from, again, speaking of the French. So Ashley Shuckleford was one who pushed this. And the B, the founder of BLM Toronto, this came out a few years ago. The BLM Toronto founder had a bunch of tweets saying the same thing, that the lack of melanin um, right. made white people genetically inferior and morally inferior. Right. Which is also interesting. but Yeah, I love the moral inferior arguments. Anyway, fun times. So that's what that's what's going on. Uh, um, I sent you one other thing just to like put in, put a oh, button okay. on this. Uh, so. Oh, good! I, I wanted to talk about this. Yes. So and I keep is, forgetting to talk about this one. Thank so you. So this for goes it. along with the NASA thing because this is about harmful words, right? The idea that words can harm you and that we need to be protecting people from being hurt by words. Um, I and. This was a public post from my friend shared. So I, I, I feel comfortable having my friend's name on there because it was public. Um, uh, hold on, I'll, I'll pull it up. But, so yeah. Trader Joe's, there was a there was a kind of a I wouldn't say a retraction, 
But there it was, was no, it wasn't a retraction at all. They never no. said, yeah, yeah. There were some conflicting things. There were some conflicting uh-huh. news stories. So first there were some news stories that came out saying that Trader Joe's was going to phase out their names, their brand names, uh, their product lines like um, Trader Mings and Trader Jose. And uh, I forget the Italian one. And then that Trader Joe's said, no, they're not going to do that. And so this is the L.A. Times. <laughs> the L.A. Times you know, mainstream news, legacy media. What's their headline there, Carter? Can you read it? If you're in love with Trader Joe's, its stances can also break your heart. <laughs> so Did the, wait, I, their I stance, by the way, did you read their statement? I think I read a quote from it. I didn't read the whole Th- thing. Their stance was like their stance was great. Their stance was, uh, <laughs> we don't respond to petitions. We do our own research and our customers think these are funny and lighthearted, so we're gonna keep them. Yes. Great. It was a great stance. And, and yeah, it was some, you know, young student, I think, who started a petition. Yeah. So you get these, you get these loud people who think that they speak or want to claim that they speak for everyone, but they don't. And if you're a responsible company, we've heard this from small business owners before, like uh, Marie Buskey from yes. uh, Skeins Yarns. They were getting attacked by the SJW mob. And in the interview we got to do with her, you guys should go check it out on Deprogram. She talked, she gave advice for business owners. She was like, we ended up hiring someone and who told us, hey, you should try, try and quantify how many people is it? Because it seems like when you're at the eye of it, it can seem like it's overwhelming. And it ended up, it was a small handful of people that just had multiple accounts across multiple platforms trying to make it seem like her whole um shopping base, her whole fan base was against her or against the company. And that just wasn't true. And so Trader Joe's did the same thing. And they're like, hey, our, our customers actually like these names. Sorry, we're not going to change them. Can you put that back up one more time? Because I just want to show you what my friend said about it, I thought was the perfect uh, yeah. way to respond to something like this. So the LA Times, again, is trying to coddle us and say that we need to, you know, we live in a world where the product name on a, a, a jar of spaghetti can break your break heart your... <laughs> break your heart that's LA white fragility time. that's white fragility <laughs> that's white fragility and so my friend just said for f's sake it's a label <laughs> be heartbroken over weaker concentration camps you whiny privileged s-h-i-t-s <laughs> yes but yes these people aren't heartbroken over the like you have misplaced priorities and misplay you live in such a um a privileged country and you are so privileged if if you have the um time and the emotional resources to be broken hearted over the label on a jar of spaghetti sauce like you're just you're focusing in the wrong place like there are actual things happening in the world that you could be outraged about that i just i just i don't understand Look, there's, it. i mean there's actual things in the u.s you could be outraged about <laughs> you yeah. don't even have to go to china to find outrage yeah. um but yeah yeah good for trader okay. joe's i was disappointed when i first thought they were gonna they had their one of their pr people made it sound like they were gonna review stuff but i'm wondering what happened to her because the official corporate statement was like they didn't mention the original pr person at all and they were just like Basically, they were saying, it's fake news. We're not doing this. So I, I don't know how her life is going now at Trader Joe's. but you know. Okay, so Dom in the comments, he's joking. He says, 
I'm an Italian American and I want Trader. How do you pronounce that? Peter Giotti, I think, right? Trader Giotti, bam, I'm offended. Trader Giotto. I don't know. I'm just joking. Trader Giotto. Yeah, that's the appropriate response (laughs) is to laugh. What is wrong with people? Broken hearted over Trader Giotto. Anyway. Let's do a couple of super chats uh, okay. before, as a as a segue here, because I don't want to I don't want to get uh, lost in them. Too far. Andrew Thompson yeah. says uh, an AMCAP voting and voting for Trump gasp. I know, right? I know. I actually didn't vote for a long time unless I voted for deadlock. I would sometimes intentionally vote for deadlock. But the reason I voted for Trump, uh, I'm not a huge Trump fan. Um, but for people that are new to the show, the reason I voted for Trump and the reason I think he's the only choice is. Uh, I don't care about politics very much. I don't think there's much difference between the parties. I don't think his actually behavior as a president is actually much different than most other presidents in terms of his policy. What I do think is we are in a culture war and we uh, we need someone who explicitly stands up to the social justice ideology and its pervasive uh, influence in society, I don't know that he even knows the details of it, but he intuitively hates it and stands up and fights against it. And I think yeah. that is worth, um, that's worth it, right? And he calls out the mainstream media and they deserve to be called out. So uh, to me, this it's a culture war question and uh, I don't, there's nothing I, you know, I, I'm not like politically excited about Trump at all. Um, but, and... Uh, we actually we haven't released a show where I talk about why I think it's okay for ANCAPs to vote, so we'll do that another time. Uh, Blackbeard. Blackbeard says, CNN headline, is space racist? Why people of color can't breathe in space. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you win, Blackbeard. Yeah. <laughs> I totally see that as a CNN headline. <laughs> is space racist? Yes, it is. Every, because everything's racist. Uh, let's see. Keith. Just one quick thing about the, oh, sure. the Trader Joe's and the labels again and mm-hmm. how moronic this is, is um, my friend, I was looking for my friend's quote because he put it so much more eloquently than I'm going to. I couldn't find it, though. But he said, you know, in this cultural revolution that we're in, it, it, isn't it amazing that in the name of tolerance and equality, they are erasing anyone who isn't white from brands from brand names and they're right. erasing women, mm-hmm. you know, and calling us people with a cervix in the name of tolerance and diversity and equality. And in the name of quote unquote, protecting marginalized people and, you know, working in our interests, they're actually erasing us mm-hmm. completely. This is the thing. And we don't have to get into this, to this now. From the and, public's from stuff, yeah. from brands and stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. And, and uh, it, I don't want to get into this now because it's a long discussion, but I do want to make a quick distinction. I talk about like reason and 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 logic and philosophy and blah 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 a lot. A lot of people think I mean only deductive logic, <laughs> and deductive logic is not alone. You can start with bad premises and deduce horrid stuff. Uh, and so, like these ideas of like, oh, uh, we want to in the name of helping uh, women or helping. Uh, historically marginalized people, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Like, if your premises are bad, it doesn't matter what the name is, what your abstract principles are when you try and apply them. If you're starting with bad premises, you'll end up with not what you wanted and often the opposite of it. So uh, it's not a... (laughs) 
It's not surprising yeah. that you do things in the name of other good stuff because they couldn't do it in the name of destroying women. They can't be like, in the name of of the patriarchy, <laughs> we're going to remove women from labels. Like, they can't do that. That we're has to be remove, in the name and, of something people like. Right, and in the name of anti-racism, we're going to remove all black people from labels. Right. Like, it's Right, it's the insane. KKK tried it's to do the same thing, but they just didn't use the word anti-racism. They used racism, and like, so it didn't right. work because people don't like racism. Uh, right. But if you label you know it differently, you can do the same thing. There you go. You know who's sitting at home happy that Uncle Ben and Aunt Jemima are no longer in their grocery store aisle? The KKK. <laughs> right. Yeah. David Duke <laughs> is like, yeah, this is a win. This is a win for us. <laughs> yeah. But the Lucky Charms guy's still there. Anyway. <laughs> oh, is the Lucky Charms dude? He's uh, the Irish aren't offended. Trying. I think he survived. Oh. Well, when the Irish, we know when the Irish wake up from their drunken stupor, I'm sure that they will. Uh, wholeheartedly oppose him. Uh, as someone who is um, <laughs> mostly, I guess, my heritage, Irish and English, I'm roundly offended. That's why I said, are hurt. I said it to offend. That was the point. Your <laughs> words are harm. <laughs> <laughs> Harmful. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith the Hack Guy gives a super, super chat. Thank you, Keith. Keith says, new slogan for the top of all NASA web pages. Black holes matter. <laughs> I don't know why that also that also sounds wrong in some other way. <laughs> I don't know how Keith, but thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> who said that? Who said that? Keith, Keith the hack guy. <laughs> <laughs> like Keith, I think you should be in charge of NASA's PR. <laughs> A good space joke. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, two A self defense law says if words are violence, and silence is violence, existing is violence. Yes, yes, because words yeah. have no actual meaning. Um, this is the thing. I we've talked about it a lot, a lot, but we'll say it again for the new people. Words are not meant by this crowd. They don't use words to communicate things. They use words only to intimidate you into the to agreeing with their positions. So uh, words are not meant to communicate facts about objective reality. Words are not meant to convince you. Words are only meant to intimidate you into uh, compliance. That's all. I'm not laughing oh my god! I can't believe little, little ragamuffin. I'm gonna have to read this. It's I'm gonna wait because I have other super chats, but I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> All right, uh, why bother? It gives us 10 euros and says, related to my field, it was a few weeks or a couple months ago, not sure if you mentioned that, GitHub bans master branch and every woke tech company bans term blacklist and whitelist. I don't know if we mentioned, I did see that GitHub did that, which is hilarious to me. So for those of you who aren't technical, GitHub is a way when you write reams and reams of code you have to keep track of versioning and know like oh i changed this you got to be able to roll things back and keep track of who added what and you know whatever because you can make mistakes and you got to roll things back and, and whatever and there's different different branches and versions of stuff and so github <laughs> github is kind of a repository that you can store your code in it's very widely used if you're a software engineer uh your github repository is more important than your resume it is your resume um, unless you're applying to a job where they care about things like your skin color, uh, and um, and you use and you use it. There's a 
when you use GitHub, there's a master, which is like, this is, it means like, this is the, this is the main code base. Like these, there's different versions you can make. Like I'm gonna experiment with this thing and change it. There's, there's a master version. And they, they decided that master was harmful. So they had to change the word master because they're also I along those same lines. Why bother? I saw that um, realtors. There's been this push now for realtors when they when they list houses for sale, um, they don't want them to call the master bedroom the master bedroom anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the big one. Just get rid of the. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's again. It's along the same lines that some somehow that the word master itself is so harmful. It can't be used in any context other than a very harmful um, slave-related one. That's not the way in which we use that word. Also, I just, like, I, I, look, American blacks do not have a monopoly on slavery. Slavery has existed for millennia. <laughs> millennia. The word master is in the Bible. So it's not, this isn't like, it's not like, white American slaveholders invented the word master and now we're using it. The word master predates all of this stuff. Rodrigo um, says, will they change remastering music? Probably. Yeah. We'll wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Biggles, which is a great name. Uh, Mr. Biggles says, uh, first of all, thank you. 40, 40 czar. I don't know what a czar is, but thank you. Sending greetings and love from South Africa. Yo, this is exciting. Really appreciate work. Such crazy times, but what a time to be alive. Well, welcome, Mr. Biggles. And uh, someday we I need to get, I've read, uh, I think I read, what was the name of the book? The uh, Boer War, or no, it wasn't the Boer War. That, that's the thing. It was like, I don't know. I've read some books on what's happening in South Africa right now. I don't remember the title. And uh, I'd like to get someone on to talk about South, South Africa at some point, because I think a lot of us don't realize the extent to which uh, things in South Africa have deteriorated and are continuing to deteriorate, and it's it's dangerous in South Africa yeah. to be uh, to be a boar and have a, a farm or whatever. Farm. Um, it's 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 and and I, uh, the 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 stuff. I mean, be careful looking for stories about what people do because it's not just murder. It's the kind of thing that it's the kind of thing that if you read, it's like watching a horror movie that you can't, you can't sleep for days. The stuff that they do to people. It's, it's, I just bad. wanted to say something though, about what I like about your super chat, Mr. Biggles is the last part, such crazy times, but what a time to be alive. Yes. I think a lot of that Chinese proverb or curse, however you think of it, may you live in interesting times. Right. We are living in interesting times. That's for sure. And, yep. um, it's, it is, it is, there is something, look, what am I trying to say? I saw some people over the past few days, friends of mine, expressing their fatigue and frustration and, I guess, despair over what's going on in the culture and the world in general right now. And I just wanted to say that I understand that despair and I sometimes feel it myself, but but like Mr. Giggles said, what was his name? Mr. Bungles, Mr. Biggles. Biggles. I Mr. Think Biggles. Biggles. Like Mr. Biggles said, what a time to be alive, though. You're living in interesting times. And what you choose to do in your every choice you make in your daily life is somehow takes on more importance 
So how you choose to spend your time, you know, I, I used to, I don't know about you guys watching, but, um, I enjoyed the time, uh, prior to this cultural revolution. <laughs> I enjoyed my time, <laughs> but you mean back when people were slightly more sane? <laughs> Yes, back when people were sane. I would give up all technological advancements in the last 10 years to go back to the culture of 10 years ago, which even wasn't that much better, but it was better enough. Right, but there's also something, um, I think, worthy in having a good fight. Oh, absolutely. It needed to happen. It needed to happen. And so, you know, take breaks from it. Like definitely don't let it consume you like go go off go offline take breaks go plant something like we talked about like do art do music i'm learning an interpretive dance so i can force carter to do it when i see him next week uh (laughs) something fun you have to do you have to create joy and create things those things are really important right now i can do the (laughs) yeah but um but at the same time you know it's not all depressing and you know, all those books that we've been reading for book club, the ones about, you know, the dystopian future novels that we've been reading, hopefully they've helped you to realize that you're living in some, a version of one of those books. So what you do takes on great importance, I think anyway. I don't know if that makes I, I sense. totally agree with you. And and here's the thing that's that should be encouraging. Uh, you're not alone in recognizing that you're living in a dystopia and all this stuff is wrong. Like there are people like Winston Smith is a, is utterly alone. I mean, I guess he finds the one woman, but like he's basically alone and it's hopeless in 1984. Right. But uh, yeah, we can feel marginalized, but. Look, we've got what I don't know, seventeen thousand people that watch this show. Let's assume that half of them are hate watchers, which is totally generous. So, look, <laughs> there, you know, there's almost, there's probably, you know, there's probably, at, let's say, not even half. Like, we'll say ten thousand people at least who are like, hate this crap that are that are here just watching it, and we're just a crappy little show on YouTube. We're not, you know, we're not Jordan Peterson. Um, so, there's a lot of people out there that uh, that recognize that things are are bad, which means that there's a lot of people with their heads screwed on straight who uh, can participate in building a better future. By the way, thank you, Keith. Keith says it's the Kill the Boar is the name of the book. Yes, that is the name of the book. Don't read it if you get nightmares. Uh, all right, let's do some super chats. Uh, another one from Andrew Joyner. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Andrew says. Uh, lemon character blowing a big red heart. Oh, that must be an emoji, and it just translates it to me, uh, <laughs> which is kind of funny to read, but okay. Thank you, Andrew. Um, Maggie Ellis. Thank you, Maggie. Maggie sends us 20 bucks and says, your discussion with James Lindsay was epic. All three of you understand what's happening so thoroughly, and I appreciate you all being voices of reason and rationality. Please pray for me that one day my husband's eyes will open. Uh, I'm sorry that you're, um, you have some disagreements maritally, but keep at it. Show, show them, show them what you mean by, uh, by example. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, Carrie, do you have advice? Maggie, no, but I will pray for you. Thank you for, I'll think about you fondly and hopefully to the universe. (laughs) Yeah. 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 
Um, why bother? Why bother sends us five euros and says, if you say that two plus two not always equals four, you won't be able to put make a simple website, let alone launch a rocket which has billion times more math. Yeah, I mean, of course. Um, it reminds me of, uh, what was that? Was it movie Armageddon where, um, what's that guy? I always forget this actor's name. Bruce Willis? No, 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 no. The Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi turns to the crew as they're like about to launch and he says something to the effect of like, we're sitting on like so many tons of rocket fuel all built by the lowest bidder. <laughs> like as they're about to take off. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. NASA doesn't need bad math to screw things up. Um, all right. Henry. Henry gives a super chat and says, you guys going to do a live election night special episode maybe for the debates too? I don't know. We haven't talked about it. Carrie, what do you think? If there are debates. Yeah. Carrie doesn't think I there's going to be know. debates at all. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Or or there'll maybe. be the Biden deepfake debate, which is, is possible. Um. I don't know. I mean, maybe I don't. I, we did it last. Didn't we do? We did debates. We did for the primaries. We did some stuff, and that was fun. Uh, but all right, Seth. Uh, Seth, uh, the riot or Theriot, depending on. I don't know how I'm pronouncing it. Land of Lakes removed the native and kept the land. Yes. Yes, Land, land of Lakes removed their, their icon, but they did keep the land. Oh, gosh. So are they in trouble for that? Did they are, they are they in trouble for keeping the land? No, that's funny, though. All right. I, we have to read the next one, Carrie, and um, <clears throat> I want you to try to we'll not. We'll just move on okay. quickly from it. we got to get through these. Little Ragamuffin sent us two bucks, damn you, Little Ragamuffin, and said... Keith, a front or back hole. We'll just leave that there. We're going to move on quickly. <laughs> Tina Fisk, 20 bucks. Thank you, Tina. Tina says, hi, guys. It's been a while. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, Tina. Thank you for joining hi, us. Tina. Uh, all right, I'll zoom a little more quickly here. I think, I think we might be close to the end here. Why bother? Another five euro from why bother. In my native language, the word master means a person who excels in their craft. I guess the whole language is racist now. Yeah, I think that that's a definition in, in that is my like, native language, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is sort of like when they they um, print these articles, these, these SJW journalists print these articles where they say, like, 25 words that you never knew were racist. And they try and um, dig up old, extinct definitions of terms and then re-infuse them with racist racist meaning right and and then suddenly it's like they're bringing things back to why are you trying to create more racist words like what is wrong with you right. and master's if not even today, one that started out that way like master's yeah. not even a racist term yeah why originally. are you trying to do create you're adding racist look at what look at the effect of what they're doing yep. they're adding racist words they're making words racist uh, okay, two bucks from Mighty mm -hmm. Balzac. Mighty Balzac says, Carrie, did they yeet you from the girls' gun club? Um, yeet means to kick out, right? No. Uh, I, I don't know what this question means. No, I used to, maybe you're asking about the girls' gun club I've mentioned before. Um, that was in Los Angeles. I don't live there anymore. So, but I used to help teach at a girls' gun 
I self-heated. Well, I moved. But yeah, my friend runs a, a girls' gun club in L.A. That's super fun. I think she's still doing it. It's part of another school that she and her husband run together. And if anybody's in the L.A. area and you're looking for firearms training, hit me up. I'll direct you to her. She's awesome. But, yeah. Uh, Ninja Kitty. Hey, Ninja Kitty. Ninja Kitty gives us five bucks and says, For Carrie Curl's inspirational words, chat loves you. Aw. Uh, Cal, read the next one. Tatiana Fisk says, I think if we all focus more on change on the local level, like with our schools, it's what we should focus on. That would make a difference and never give up hope. I totally agree. We've talked about this before. I think, (coughs) excuse me, people need to get involved at the, like, it's sort of like what Jordan Peterson talks about. Most impact you can have on the world, on changing the world. And I truly believe this. When he said this, it felt like something clicked for me that I, common knowledge that we've lost or something that the greatest change you can affect is within you. It's not out here because you have control over this. You don't have control over all that. But then what's the next level of, of change that you could affect? Well, stuff that's in your immediate vicinity at the local level. Your and family probably your family right. your friends your where you work stuff like that but yes your community if you start to go further and further out and i think i think you're i'm i'm starting in later later in age starting to realize that um community involvement is much more important than who i vote for on the national level well and carrie that's i think the thing that's shocking a lot of people is that uh our community, our, our community politics has already been infiltrated in many places and people yes. weren't paying attention. They weren't right? paying attention. So, I wasn't. Yeah. So suddenly these sleeper agents wake up and it's like, oh, my God, it's in my community. I thought it was just, you know, on Twitter. Like, no. Um, and part of the reason for that is I, I think there's a there's a social justice ideology does not teach what Carrie just said in terms of changing your starting with yourself. <laughs> They start at the outermost ring. None of this has to be right. fixed. Just go out way, way, way out there. Right. So so they will, and they're also obsessed with power. It's an ideology that is, as you've said a million times, very focused on power um, in a way that individualists tend to not be focused on power because we don't want to wield power over people. So like the idea of power is not attractive. Um, but they are very focused on power, which means they're more likely to spend the time and energy to run for city council and win, to be on the school board, to to volunteer for that committee, whatever it is. So you end up with representation in bureaucracies that is disproportional to um, the ideology or the ideas of the community. Um, You get people who are power hungry in those positions and power hungry people by and large are much more likely to be authoritarian social justice warriors than they are to be laissez-faire libertarian types, right? They're not going to do that. Like Trump is a seat. Trump is not an authoritarian. Trump is power hungry, but Trump, in my opinion, his power hunger comes from a different place. It comes from a narcissistic place of wanting to be vaulted and, and admired and he's power hungry, but I don't, it, I don't think it comes from wanting to control people. I don't think he's power hungry. I think he's fame thirsty. 
fame hungry. Fame thirsty, yeah. Right, well, whatever. He, he's he's one of these yeah. people that just wants to be famous, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe he cares about power, but I'm not totally sure. But either um, way, it's not from a desire to control people. It's right. for his own ego. Right. And there are people out there, like I'm thinking of this social justice city council member. Oh, my gosh. Her, <laughs> She's power hungry, and it comes from a place of wanting to control others and probably narcissism and fame horror. Oh, absolutely. I think the whole thing is, is yeah. I think control is wrapped up in narcissism. Yeah. Right? Um, so absolutely. You, you can't really want to control others without having some part, like you have to be a little bit narcissistic to like think yeah. that you should have say over what other people do. Um, yeah. <clears throat> okay, super chat. Jordy Bushner. Okay. Jordy says, I remember my entry into this was Gamergate in 2014. Had we known what would come next? Yeah, Jordy, very nice to meet you. When Gamergate happened, I was still a social justice warrior. I was still pushing this ideology, and I was on the wrong side of Gamergate. And like a lot of people in the social justice cult, I didn't really know the details of it. I just knew what I was supposed to say, what my tribe was saying, and it's amazing the amount of certainty and confidence that cult members can have in their beliefs and their confidence in thinking that they know the truth, they know the score, right? Without having actually done, put any time in to do the research or to read or to listen to alternate viewpoints. I didn't even know a lot of the basic facts of what caused Gamergate. I went on later to read about them and it changed my mind about it entirely. But yeah. Anyway, nice to meet you. Yeah. Uh, I've been playing um, a little game game lately. I've I've been playing. I have an ancient Xbox. So that new game that everyone keeps telling me to watch the social justice one, I can't or to play. I can't play it because I don't I don't have a PlayStation. (coughs) Excuse me. So anyway, but the next one. Uh, I can't read the next one. You do it. The G Schultz says, so. Is it the case that mail-in ballots will have started without debate or whistle-stop campaigns? <clears throat> I think so. I think that's likely. Um, and that reminds me of a Babylon Bee article that I saw that I just want to share because I think it's awesome. Uh, here we go. Veteran mailman Phil R. E. Quinton volunteers <laughs> to collect all the mail-in votes. And for those of you listening, it's Hillary Clinton with a <laughs> <laughs> with a beard it's really small on my screen so i couldn't see <laughs> uh yep that about sums it up <sighs> i don't even i don't even know where to go andrew thompson <laughs> andrew thompson says carrie smith should wear the hat that carter sent <clears throat> uh obviously she should andrew but you know as an individualist, got to leave her to her own devices. She wears yeah. it or doesn't. Uh, like I'll wear it when we're outside somewhere. When it's necessary. When it's, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. Kent Anufertruck. Kent says, sadly, local elections have lowest voter response. Sadly, yes. Um, although that means actually it doesn't take a lot of work. I mean takes work but it doesn't it's actually easy to sway the election if you do you put the time in you could you could even if you've got a an opinion that's maybe not super popular if you find the right people 
in your community to go out and vote, you can sway the election. So uh, I guess that's a double-edged sword a little bit. Um, all right, I think we're caught up on Super Chats. I just want to uh, say something about that mail, the mailman thing, <laughs> Phil, R.E., Quentin. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but there was this great video that was going around. I shared it. It was, it was a church that decided to meet and worship in Walmart since they weren't allowed to meet at their church. Oh, that's a and it's really beautiful video of them all singing and praising in the middle of a Walmart. Did the Walmart then, care? I mean, it was a short video clip, so I don't know. I don't know anything beyond just witnessing this worship service, which was amazing. And Little Ragamuffin came up with some funny pictures where she said she put um, she was like, I know how we can make sure we get to vote in person. And uh, she put a Walmart sign on churches and schools. If you put a Walmart sign on it, then it'll be safe for us to go inside and all vote or to go back to school or whatever. Basically, we should be voting in Walmarts. It's pretty funny. Um, I Can I reference the image we have on today's uh, yeah, show? Please. The image we're using today's show was um, suggested basically by Ninja Kitty, who thinks that the woman in this image is a hero. Or maybe I should pull the image up actually for yeah, I can't you're not it. looking at the screen while we're doing this. So um, I the easiest format I have the image in is actually from our uh, from our thumbnail. So I'm just gonna show you that. <clears throat> but okay. uh, so there's this woman here. This is in Portland. This was there oh, were two old women this. that made the news in Portland. Uh, recently uh this woman she's standing in front of portland's police bureau east precinct she's trying to protect the building because of course uh the feds have mostly pulled out of portland so the antifa have turned their attention back to the local law enforcement and so she, older lady she stands up and basically tries to defend the building she gets white paint thrown on her she's uh there was physical intimidation you can see this guy I mean, this is pretty physically intimidating. This is his arm right here, and there's she's just looking at him defiantly. He's in her face, screaming at her. Um, there was actual contact. Someone put something on, like besides the paint, there was someone else who walked by and put something on her. Um, and then they started, the crowd started chanting, put your mask on, bitch, um, at her. And uh, yeah, but she stood her ground. She stood her ground here. There was another woman, there was another old lady who had uh, at least from what I saw, she, she had a, a walker who was put her, trying to put out a fire that they had lit. And there was an Antifa person like trying to block her. And she eventually got around him with a fire extinguisher and, and put the fire out. Um, so it's the little old ladies who are fighting Antifa. Uh, yeah. And she I watched part of this one, the first mm -hmm. lady. I didn't see the other one. And one of the things she was yelling at him was and, and at them, which. which Again, they don't operate in a place of reason. This ideology forces you not to use reason. They just repeat the tenets and they wait for you to say something that they've been told we're not supposed to say. They don't know why we're not supposed to say it. it they've been told uh, it's racist if you say that, but they can't explain why. So she's talking about all her friends of different ethnicities that live near there. And they basically are mocking her you know, th there's this idea that social justice ideology ideologues push 
which is that um, if you were to say, like, for example, Milo, <clears throat> Milo gets called a racist, white supremacist, Nazi, all these things. And if you would think a rational mind would say, well, that's kind of he's doing it wrong then because his husband is black and he's Jewish. And then they say, you can't, they've been told to say, they've been told to say this. They will say that's racist to say that you have a black friend or a black spouse or, you know, (laughs) that you're not allowed to point to obvious evidence of, of what you feel about people of different races. You're not allowed to point to that. And so they'll mock you for that without even knowing why they're doing it. Um, and the other thing she said was she talked about marching for equal rights in the 60s. And they will, it's actually in Robin DiAngelo's book, White Fragility. She lays out a roadmap. She tells people what to say to that, which is basically that that's another form. That's evidence of your racism to bring up that you marched for equal <laughs> rights. Now, they can't explain why it's racist to do that. But again, they, they kind of just... As a social justice warrior, you wait for things to be said that you've been told are racist, and then you just blurt out that, you know, oh, look, she's doing that thing they do, right? Right. She's doing that thing. She's mentioning that she has a black friend. Ah, that's evidence of racism. Oh, she's doing that thing. She's mentioning that she marched for civil rights. Oh, that's her racism. It kind of reminds me of that Monty Python skit with the Knights Who Say Me. Like, there's a word that... (laughs) Maybe they should just declare that the word the is racist and then they, she said it. Uh, and you can, you can use it as. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah, she said it. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll do that. They, they make other things off limits. Like, so now they're doing that. We've talked about before. They're boldly, boldly trying to attack individualism and objectivity. Right. Which right. is amazing. So, so we're really close to a time where, it's already started happening where if you try and explain that the reason you oppose this social justice ideology is because it's collectivist and because you oppose racism and sexism and it's racist and sexist and it treats people as groups, not as individuals. If you try to explain that to them and help them understand what you're saying, say, I support individualism. Individualism is the antidote to racism and sexism and any kind of collectivism, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. they've been told if you say individualism, that that's a dog whistle for racism and white supremacy and all right, which they can't explain because individualism is the antidote to white supremacy and all it's the antidote to any kind of collectivism. So you haven't really thought through these things. They've just been given a list of words. You want to talk about dog whistles. They've been given a list of words that are triggering for them. And if they hear it, they shut their brain off immediately. Right. Right. Um, I know when you say you say things like they don't believe in objective reality or they like like I know that people think that's crazy. And I know people think that I know people know that some postmodernists kind of talk like that. But they postmodernists are notoriously impractical. Like they don't they're not trying to do anything practically. They just like to sit around and talk about philosophy. So it seems kind of harmless for them uh, to to talk about no objective reality. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But I in my studies just just (laughs) I'm reading this book. But some of us are brave. All the women are white. All the blacks are men. But some of us are brave. This is a black women's studies book um, by uh, Gloria Hull, Akasha Hull. You've probably read this crap, Carrie. Um, I recognize the title, but I don't remember if I read I just, that one. This is from 1982. I just want to read you this. This like this got into critical theory. Sorry, this got into like the the um, 
we'll say the feminist and the anti quote anti racist circles, right? I'm just going to read two sentences. Objectivity is itself an example of the reification of white male thought. What could be less objective than the totally white male studies, which are still considered knowledge in quotes. I mean, this is the kind of crap that passes for, uh, <laughs> intellectualism and has, that was 1982. This stuff is not new. It is just metastasized. It takes a long time yes. to get here. And, and here we are. So when Carrie says they don't believe in objective reality, they, the people spouting it might not know that these ideas don't depend on objective reality and actually presuppose there isn't one. But the ideas themselves presuppose there isn't an objective reality. So take that for what you will. A lot of the people spouting it, they're not deep thinkers. And again, it doesn't mean they're not smart but they've turned off their brain. This ideology forces them to turn off their critical reasoning. And it's, it's, I don't know. There are some people who, um, as you know, I, I spend a lot of time arguing with people or trying to talk with people. And I, I have a lot of conversations that you might find pointless and sometimes they're fruitful and sometimes they're not. And, but there are others where, I was, I was trying to think about what the difference is because I saw one yesterday that I just was like not even going to get into it. There are some that are just pointless where the person is, I can tell by what they're saying. They don't, they don't even know. If I ask them to define the terms they're using, they couldn't even do it. They couldn't even define what they mean by some of these, with some of the words they're using. So, you know, there are some that even I don't get into, Carter. Yeah. 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 yeah can I just, this isn't a super chat, but someone mentions it in, in chat. Dion Bram says, I refuse to accept guilt for something I'm not guilty of. Uh, bravo, Dion Bram. And I just want to pause. We all know morally that it's dangerous to not feel guilt for things that you have done. So we recognize that as a form of psychological dysfunction. So if if you run into someone who lies, cheats, and steals, and then took, looks at you and says, "I don't feel guilty. That's just the way it is." We all kind of recognize that you need to give that person a wide berth in in society because there's something wrong. The other side of that coin, and this is the sin that I think a lot of innocent people accept, is feeling guilt for things that you did not do. Never accept guilt for something that is not a conscious action of yours. If you didn't act. If you didn't do something, if it's not your action, you're not guilty. If it's a if it's something that you didn't intend, you might be guilty of negligence, like if you if there's a negligent thing that you did, right? But your actions are your guilt your guilt is is a function of your behaviors. And what they've done, one of the things they've done is they've convinced a whole lot of people in society that they should feel guilty about things that are uncorrelated to their actual behavior. Um it's not all they do, but it's one of the things they do, and it will get you. A great antidote is just to say what Dion Bram just said in chat, which is, I refuse to accept guilt for something I'm not guilty of, something I didn't do. Don't accept that guilt. Um, they can't, they lose power over you. Uh, uh, <laughs> right. Can we do Mary Little Super Chat? Uh, I think Twee Girl is next on my list. Oh, okay. Um, Twee Girl and- says, Get check out Sandy. I should do the Sandy. Tweet Girl one, oh. Carrie. Why? I, I no don't offense. Get it. You do it. I know. That's why I, I should read it. 
Okay. Twee Girl says, get check out Sanity, get rebase, dash I, master pick, 2-2 two, two equals 5, fix 2 plus 2 equals 5, bug, save and close, text editor. <laughs> she is submitting a change to, using GitHub, uh, she's submitting a change. Uh, a, a, uh, she fixed the 2 plus 2 equals 5 bug. Uh, I get it. In the master repository. Okay. I mean, I don't get it. I get what it is, but I don't get the details. Yeah, that's fine. I now you can do Mary Little. Okay. Very little. Embrace the Wonder Unsafe Book Club has a member from Japan that turns out to be my bestie's cousin. Small world, far reach, great job, unsafe space. I love stories like that. Thank you, Mary Little. It is a small world. So cool. I've run into two unsafe space fans randomly before. Two. In different places. Like, it was, that was, both of, the first one really blew my mind because it was the first time it happened. And, like, at the time, I think we had 4,000 followers. and I was We didn't thinking, have many. At all, yeah. What are the chances that you run into one of 4,000 people? <laughs> what a small world. In your small area, right? Yeah. yeah. Just so weird. Yeah, that was crazy. Anyway, thank you, Mary Little. And um, Jordy Bushner again. One. Thank yep. you, Jordy. Again, says, the feds are still there. They just agreed to let Portland police do their thing. And since these people don't do research, they declared victory. Right. I don't know. Better don't than know saying pulled out, I should have said they, they stepped back. The feds kind of stepped back and said, like, well, you know, yeah. Why bother? Know. Why bother says, paradoxically, Robin D'Angelo is a chauvinist. She doesn't take into account other cultures. Yeah, she also doesn't take into account any biracial people. Or, I mean, she's... The and, only thing I disagree barely, with about that is I don't think it's paradoxical. But, yeah. <laughs> she is a chauvinist. She admits to her own racism in the book. Um... Meigs, thank you, Meigs, says, my intro to this was Gamergate, too. We were a competitive and un-PC community, and the industry is completely changed. It's nice to see others on board. Well, hi, Meigs. Um, nice to meet you. And hopefully gaming can get back to normal at some point. I mean, I know they're going to keep putting out woke games, um, like The Last of Us 2. That's the one I was mentioning before that I can't play because I don't have the right system. Oh, but, that's um, the one that people keep asking about? The yeah, they keep us. asking me about. So the first one was apparently amazing, and it's right up my alley. I like post-apocalyptic games, and but I can't play either of them. The second one apparently sucked and was completely woke. Hmm. Um, but And they're going to keep doing that, but I, I think the community itself, I mean, thank goodness for the gamers. You guys were one of the first communities pushing back. I mean, we talk, we have a lot of knitters who are pushing back. And uh, but the gamers were doing it first, and we kind of joke around. Wouldn't it be funny if it's like, it's the gamers and the knitters who save Western civil civilization? Well, Meeks two ninety four just adds, I couldn't fit the whole message message into super chat, but I never once in my life thought I'd be on board with a bunch of people who knit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I hey, love it. you and me both, <laughs> Meeks two ninety four. I mean, I'm not a super gamer, but if I had to choose, I would think I'm probably likely to be hanging out with gamers. But nope, uh, I'm hanging out with the knitters first because they were here first. Um, I hang out with the well, I, they were I to our it. channel first. <laughs> and the, the gamers dealt with this crap first, that's for sure. Um, yeah. But, Tatiana, uh, yeah. Uh, Tatiana Fiss, again, this may sound bad, but the one thing that brings me comfort is that if they win, they will reap what they've sown. They will likely be in the firing line next to all of us. Sad but true. Well, history shows that you're right. That is what will happen. Yeah, but I don't want to be in the firing line. I don't care if they're also there. It doesn't make me feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> I want us to avoid the firing lines. Yeah. Do you want to do the next one? 
Emily. Emily says collectivism is so dangerous and we're seeing it. Uh, we're seeing it in town. They say all cops are guilty of the murder of Floyd. So why not burn down the precinct? Yeah, that is collectivism. And it is bad. And, and it's always been bad. And if you start to look at history and then you look at where we're at now, and once your eyes are open to these patterns and seeing how history repeats itself and stuff, every once in a while I just am amazed that so many people seem not to have learned anything from the past that they can't they can't see. This guy, I think he was a professor on Twitter the other day. He's, he said something about um, he was responding to someone who said, you know, haven't you read 1984? And this academic guy said yes i've read it and it doesn't apply to our situation right now it's about an authoritarian government blah 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 i was like dude how recently have you read 1984 it's hard for me to sometimes wrap my head around how a person of intelligence can't see the can't make the analogy can't see the, the parallels can't see how it's absolutely relevant to what's happening now you can't see that you know what's frustrating for me is like for the longest time, the left seemed to be unable to distinguish between government action and private action. Like, I'll be like, yeah, I, I, I think that's a good thing, but the government shouldn't do it. Oh, there's no distinction, right? Suddenly now, they're like, well, it's not the government that's doing this, so it's not, it has nothing to do with 1984. I'm like, wow, wow, you see that distinction now, do you? Can we rewind 50 years and have another, well, not 50, I wasn't alive, but 30, and have a conversation? Because, uh, geez, guys, I really wish you had noticed that distinction earlier. It's convenient <laughs> how only now you see the distinction. Um, That's a good point. Can, can we, by point, the way, can we, can we talk about George Floyd for a second? Because yeah. there was George oh, the Floyd news. Um, and I just want to prepare people. I, I I'm not a... I'm not a lawyer. I don't have, I'm not like a criminal prosecutor. Like I, I don't have criminal justice history. Like, I, I'm just, this is just me guessing. I'm starting to think Chauvin will get off um, and not get convicted. And here's why. First of all, uh, he's been charged with not third degree murder, but second degree murder. And the difference in Minnesota is so for third-degree murder, you just have to have um, what's called a depraved heart or mind, which places others in imminent danger of death and disregarding human life. So that that you think maybe he could they could meet that standard prosecutorially. But they're not charging him with third degree. They're charging him with second degree. And I've looked at the definitions for second degree, and the only applicable one here that they could possibly going, be going after um, – is killing a human intentionally but without premeditation. Now, there's other definitions, but they involve specific things like drive-by shootings or protection orders and that kind of stuff. So killing a human without premeditation, intentionally killing a human without premeditation. Now, we've seen body cam footage this week released from George Floyd, uh, from the George Floyd incident. And uh, one thing you'll notice about the body cam footage is that George Floyd, while standing up and walking around and yelling, is also saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Which which now, if I was a defense attorney, I would say, well, so they weren't trusting what he was saying. They didn't believe what he was saying. I'm just talking about, I'm not saying that he should not be guilty of anything, the, the officer. I'm just saying 
this is how the trial could go, right? If I was a defense attorney for this guy, I would say, well, they didn't know. And and also, by the way, George Floyd was saying, I'm claustrophobic. That's why I can't get in the car. But he had just, he was just in a car. So they got him out of one car and went to put him in another one. He's like, I can't go in. I'm claustrophobic. He starts, he's saying, I can't breathe. I can't breathe while he's like fine and up and struggling and doing stuff. Now, he might not have been able to breathe because of all the drugs that were in the system. That might be a separate issue. But from the officer's perspective, yeah. yeah, but from the officer's perspective, I would argue, well, the officer didn't know what to believe about what was coming out of this guy's mouth. So I would use that to argue against that it was an intentional killing. And now, of course, the prosecution can say, yeah, but he kept his knee on him after he passed out and blah, blah, blah. And I think all that's true. And maybe he will get convicted. But um, they're going for a pretty high standard here, and uh, I, I'm, I just want to prepare people that I don't, I don't know that this will work, and if it doesn't, I imagine there being even more explosive riots than what we saw already. Um, that's all I had to say about that. But yeah, I think you're right. I think, well, I don't know. It could go one of two ways. I think that a a jury that's not trying to make a statement would probably have a hard time convicting him of the charge of second degree. But it takes one juror. Right. But I think it could be, it could be like a OJ kind of thing where the jury's trying to make a statement and it could go the other way because it has been such the, how, how are they going to find a jury who hasn't heard about this? You know? So it could be a jury that unanimously decides like we're convicting because of, but OJ wasn't convicted. No, but I mean, they made a statement to, I mean, I mean Oh, they unanimously I'm not, I'm like, saying, Hey, this is yeah, right. Okay, I'm saying, it. I'm saying the outcome of the OJ trial, it doesn't matter if, which way it went. I'm saying the outcome, I don't think was an objective. I think anyone objectively would have found him guilty. I think that they collectively looked at what was happening in culture around this. And they said, we're not convicting because of everything that happened prior and with the Ronnie King riots, et cetera. I think that the jury was culturally impacted. And I think you yep. might get a jury in this case and culturally impacted in that can't, you know, where yep. are you going to find people who haven't been touched by this? I don't know. Um, but obviously a lot's going to r- r- ride on jury selection, juror selection, right? That's going to be a big, big deal. Um, and right. if the, if the defense attorney can get a few people in there who might sympathize, uh, with, with the cop, uh, I don't know. I think I don't. I don't think we should assume that it's a closed and shut case. Second degree murder is a high standard, and this latest body footage, I don't think, helps the prosecution. I don't think it helps the prosecution either. I agree. So, so. it could be. It, and if and if they don't convict, like you said, oh my gosh, the mayhem. Yeah. That's gonna. Help. Yeah, because it will be taken as evidence of white supremacy yeah. and blah blah blah, and like you know, um, yeah. Uh, someone says uh, sometimes the state gives officers, etc., the worst possible sentence because it won't stand up in court, but they know they have to appease the mob. I'm not saying he shouldn't have charges. You mean the worst possible charge? Yeah, I, that was a concern when they when they upped it when to they second did degree, it. right? Which we is like, like, oh, they oh, did this because they know they can't meet that standard, so he's gonna. Yeah, get are off. they trying to get him off by upping right. the charge? Yeah, they should have done um, third degree. Okay, so anyway. Right. Uh, Andrew, Andrew Thompson's Thompson. next. Do you want to read that one? He says, many YouTubers got their start in Gamergate, V, Sargon, etc. By the way, Sargon won the copyright lawsuit from Akilla, obviously. Uh, I don't know what the last sentence there is about. I'm not familiar with that. But yeah, I know Sargon came from Gamergate. I think he's pretty rad. 
he read my essay on his channel once. Mm-hmm. Um, you do the next one? Yes, scrolling down. Nemo. Nemo Sundry. What a great name. Gamers and knitters, the two true genders. <laughs> <laughs> what are your pronouns? <laughs> Knitter and gamer, Side are those note. your pronouns? <laughs> Side note, I'm currently standing up to a series of false accusations. I'm probably getting fired, but I'm Dude. free. Oh, Nemo. Well, that sucks. And this is the world we live in now. Like um, Mr. Boogle said earlier, Mr. Bickle said earlier, we live in interesting times. I know a lot of people who are just in awful places that nobody should have to go through at their work or whatever. And, uh, and you're, I like that you're looking on the bright side of things too, probably getting fired, but I'm free. Yeah. You will be, I'm one of those people who I, I always in, even sometimes now I've gotten much better at it. It used to be that something awful or bad would happen and it would take me a while and it would take me some time to be able to look at it in hindsight and say, Oh, that was so good that that happened. Now I've gotten much better at being able to recognize it. So even while it's happening to me, I'm like, oh, this is good. It's <laughs> I feel emotionally awful about it, but I know this is good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So, you want to do Why Bother? You do it. Why Bother sends us five euro and says, when I hear collectivism, I shake. My direct ancestors who I personally knew lost halves of their family directly because of collectivism in the USSR. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of times, um, I know we've said this before, but people who have experienced the implementation of some of these ideas uh, have the most visceral reaction to this stuff that's happening because uh, you know they see the the consequences. And people can like the idea of collectivism so long as they it's a floating abstraction, you know, bouncing around in their head with no ties to reality. They don't understand what it means and and how it plays out and how it actually manifests itself in any way and how it must manifest itself. Um, uh, logically. So, uh, yeah, it it angers me as well. Um, and that's why I, I can sometimes get riled up at stuff that, that bores other people because I'm, I'm riled up at ex- abstractions and the, and the use of abstract terms. And um, it's it's because of that, right? Uh, it's because of stuff like that. Um, you're, you're not alone. A lot of people lost their, their families and, and loved ones to some form of collectivism, uh, including, by the way, Nazism was a form of collectivism. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> Carrie, um, can we, this is a weird segue, but I don't know. Um, I'll talk about COVID just really quickly. I know. Have you, you said you were going to look into some more COVID stuff. I don't know. Yes. How, I don't know what you're, I haven't done too much. So, um, but, uh, you know, I, I, <sighs> I think we've mentioned this before, and I was I tried to explain this previously, but Scott Adams did a, an excellent job explaining this way better than I did the other the other day, um, and it's worth watching his his video on this. But I'm just gonna go over some stuff. Um, he didn't say this part exactly, so let's just there's this whole hydrochloroquine thing, right? And you've got the media saying. It's dangerous. It's been proven. Study after study has proven it doesn't work. How dare people say that maybe they should have it? It was used to justify the shutting down of the Facebook video for the, those doctors, right? Um, and and we're also told 
we talked about this last, I think it was last time, maybe it was two shows ago. Remember we read the article about like, don't think for yourself, basically like don't, don't research, don't do your own research. Yeah. Trust the authorities. Right. Right. Yeah. That kind of, uh, it's illegal crap. for you to read the WikiLeaks emails. <laughs> yeah. It didn't say that, but CNN did. Uh, so yeah. Um, and I actually, it, the opposite is true, by the way. You have a responsibility to use your judgment and your rational judgment to think. You have a, you have a responsibility. Not only should not only should you not. It's not not only is it not true that you shouldn't. You should actually. Um, Wait, that I, was like a sense? quadruple negative. I know, I know. Well, they were saying you shouldn't do that. I'm saying it's not true that you shouldn't do it. Right. Uh, in fact, it's not even neutral. You should do it. Um, and. I just want to ex explain how you don't have to be a doctor to make these, uh, to use your brain here. And this is your obligation. If you want to be an individual, if you want to be a competent, rational member of society and not a little sheep, you are obligated to use your brain. Um, and you're obligated to call into question narratives you're being told. And we've seen a lot of evidence that some of these narratives are misleading. Um, and so I want to, in fact, there was a real clear politics piece that like cites a bunch of things recently about um, lockdowns not working as like as said by <laughs> CDC and other people like at the beginning, like, oh, well, it can't actually do this. But now they've they just changed their minds on stuff because it's politically expedient. And so there's reason to question them. And I just want to explain something because uh, I think it's important. First of all, I'm not a doctor. But I am going to explain the, in layman's terms, and from what I can tell, all the doctors that have talked about this like agree this isn't this isn't rocket science. Um, so zinc is known to have generally uh, positive effects on your immune system. Like you, that's why you go to you buy Zycam for the common cold or whatever, right? Zinc is known to help, right? Which always works wonders for me. Right, me too. Actually, uh, that kind of stuff is great. If I feel a cold coming on, it works really great. Um, and so, so that's not pseudoscience. That's real. Um, and zinc, uh, zinc needs to get into, uh, the cells to work and hydrochloroquine, um, is kind of, uh, I'm not going to use the medical terms. It, it's kind of a, a binding agent that like pulls the zinc. It like attaches to the zinc, pulls it through the wall and then like lets the zinc get in. So if you've got like, if you're taking like zinc, zinc sulfide or whatever it is, zinc sulfate, I don't remember. Um, to get it, hydrochloroquine basically increases the uptake of zinc into your cell. So it can help get, it's like a transport agent, right? It can help get it into your cells. So that's the mechanism. That's the mechanism. It doesn't mean that it helps against COVID or not. I'm not saying that it does, but that's the mechanism. So here we are. There's a rational mechanism to believe why this might be helpful, taking hydrochloroquine in combination with zinc. And I think they were saying there's erythromycin as well. I don't I don't understand at all how that plays a role. Um, it doesn't matter. So there's doctors out saying, here's the mechanism, and we have some evidence that it works. And I actually read a study from an NYU person, an in vivo study, which means that like not in a, in a lab, but like actually with humans, um, demonstrating some level of efficacy, especially early on. Uh, and so especially they are saying early on, it's more of a prophylactic or early stages kind of help, less, less, less in the late stages. Um, so this is this is all the body of what's been said. We know that hydrochloroquine is is relatively safe because it's been used for you know decades, decades, which we've mentioned before on the show. And so uh, this becomes, and this is how Scott Scott Adams described it, and he, he's spot on with this. This becomes a risk management question. 
you look at this and you say, well, uh, we have some evidence that this could help, right? There's been some studies. Um, now, the people saying it won't help, but they'll cite other studies. A lot of those studies, in fact, the ones that I've seen, they don't combine, they, they make a couple mistakes. Either they're just studying hydrochloroquine by itself, which actually wouldn't have the process we just described of pulling zinc in, or they're doing it like later, they're like late, later after you have COVID, and it's like, well, it's not helping very much in later stages. Like, oh, okay, well, that's to be expected. So, but there's some evidence that there could be some, some things. There are some studies. And there's anecdotal evidence and doctors saying this is this is what could happen. Now, from a policy perspective, policy should be everything in life has risks. Like you, everything is about risk management. There's no black and white. When you get into the car to go to the store, subconsciously there's a there's a little risk management calculation you're making. Am I going to die in the car? Is it worth getting milk? Like, and you think the risk of dying in the car is very low, and the value of milk is high enough. But if there was a an active gang war at the end of your street, you might not choose that time to go to the store to buy milk because the risk reward calculation would be a little higher, right? And or a little different. So everything you do and should do is about risks and rewards. There is no there's no like 100% guaranteed this or that going on in 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 these situations. So. The right thing to do from a risk management perspective is to say, well, if we go with maybe giving this a try, the hydrochloroquine and zinc and, and I guess erythromycin or whatever, if we go with giving this a try, what's the downside? Well, the downside is you buy a cheap drug and it's known to be safe, so very minimal risk there, and it doesn't work. That's the downside. The downside is you waste some time and money and probably doesn't work. Okay, that's a pretty minimal downside. What's the downside if it actually could help and you prevent people and tell them to not do it? Well, that's a pretty big downside. That's a huge downside. What's the upside of both sides? Well, if it, if, if it could help and you do it, well, obviously the upside is you save people's lives. Uh, the upside, if you tell people not to do it and they don't do it, the upside is basically nothing. Like nothing happens. <laughs> There's no, no upside. So... From a risk management perspective, it makes sense to say, let's do the thing with little downside and big upside, even if we're not totally sure. We don't yet have all the double blind studies. We don't have everything done, but there's some evidence, big upside, minimal downside. That's the rational decision. You don't need to be a doctor to look at that and say, that is a rational yeah. decision. You also don't need to be a doctor to look at the reverse and say, opposing something with a big upside and little downside is irrational and anti-scientific. It's bad risk management. It's bad risk management. So, and yet, and this was Scott Adams' point, and yet this is what you're seeing mainstream media. He used CNN as a proxy for mainstream media, and he talked about, and actually CNN actually later on after he made this video, someone on CNN, someone was on CNN and referenced it, and CNN, like, he's a comic. He's a comic strip. Like, CNN just like, Totally arrogant little genetic, shit. I don't know her name. She was a little genetic bitch. fallacy and also appeal to authority. I mean, yeah, I'm going to add hominem her a little bit because she was really annoying. But uh, yeah, she's like, nah, nah, nah. it doesn't work. There are studies. It doesn't work. Why tell people it works? They are actively trying to prevent you from doing something which has little downside and big upside. And Scott's point is he believes that they are culpable in deaths in COVID. If it turns out that this combination is in some way effective. CNN is culpable in the deaths of 
of people in in the U.S. And his other point, which I think is fascinating, well, scary, is yeah, he thinks they know this and they are choosing the narrative over your lives. That is evil. That is evil. I recommend going and watching Scott's video because he did a great job. If you didn't understand the, the high level I just did, he goes into a little more detail. But um, they are choosing, they are choosing potentially to kill people uh, in, well, it, it, so that they can push their orange man bad narrative. What you just made me think of, Carter, is the fact that every step of the way, they've accused others, the people they oppose, of doing what they do. Because they've not only put lives at risk by trying to make it impossible for you to get this treatment, which, like as you said, has little downside, big upside, if it works. Right. Um, they've also... A lot of the the architects of the, this this unconstitutional lockdown, they put people with COVID into nursing homes, right, and killed people by doing that. Like mm -hmm. they do have deaths on their hands. Mm -hmm. A lot of these governors, mayors, um, Cuomo in New York was one of the states where they put COVID people positive in people homes. into yep. nursing homes. Mm -hmm. And by the way, they don't. Like, we're not even counting the deaths for like. Suicide say, and all the other problems. Yeah, like, so yeah. my next point is that the the death toll from, from COVID is nothing compared to the death toll that the response to COVID has created and that it's going to continue to create. The repercussions are still unfolding, but the suicides are up, addiction is up, domestic abuse is up. Child abuse is up. Yep. Um, depression, anxiety, all of these just myriad problems that we've we've made everything so much worse than it was. Yep. And they do have deaths on their hands. And and isn't it isn't it disgusting that you don't often hear people call them out for the deaths that they're culpable for? The way that they try to say, hey you wanting to go to work and feed your family is killing people, which right. is hyperbole and is not right. true. You want to kill grandma because you're not wearing a mask while you're hiking. Right. While you're hiking or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's just not true. And so they always do this. They project. They always accuse people of what it is they're doing. And they depend on, I guess they depend on the people they're attacking being better people than they are. Yes. And not and not making the same accusation to them. They depend on us not saying, hey, wait a minute, you have blood on your hands because right. I could say I could say that you're culpable for the nursing home deaths. And I could say you're culpable for all the suicides and the increased domestic abuse and and addictions and, and overdosing. And, you know, we don't often play the same games that they do. Yep. And yep. We don't often try and indict them for murder. Well, and this is, by the way, their bad opinions and their bad ideas. They know this. This is one of Saul Alinsky's rules. You hold the other side accountable for their moral standards, but you don't meet yours. Like you don't have any and you hold the other side accountable. So that's one of the things that I won't even say the right, but people that are uh, against this, uh, they would call it the right, but like people who are against this, this crazy radical leftism. That's one of the mistakes that I think it's a mistake that we make, which is 
we try to take the high road and I get it, but you know, and I think, and some of us should take the high road. I think there's, there's different kinds of people that can battle this battle. There's different kinds of soldiers. Some people should stay on the high road and, and maintain their high road status, but you need some scrappy people who are going to go in there and yell that they've got blood on their hands because they do. People need to see that they have blood on their hands and it's not just a unidirectional, they get to accuse you of everything under the sun and you just sit back and say, well, I don't want to stoop to your level. Well, I, what, the level of being honest? They are they are risking lives to do this. That's that's what that is. And it might be rude and it might be mean to say, but it is true. Um, and the truth is is important. Um, uh, so. Penny, this is, this is not a super chat, but Penny mm -hmm. says... I swear they want to kill off our older generations. You know, I know that Probably. sounds crazy, but they, but they do look, I've my old comedian, who's a huge social justice proponent on CNN, W. Kamal Bell. He used to have a joke about how old white people need to die. Now it's a joke, but all joke is based in truth. It's, it's seriously what they believe. I think Oprah has said some people need to die. They believe social justice people are, are saying that the, older generation needs to die off and then we'll we'll have this utopia mostly of better ideas what they believe are better ideas well I, so but, now we can tie this to conspiracy theory like more classical maybe uh more classical noam chomsky stuff right which is uh let's just take a look at our economy um old people are living longer we've got social security is is bankrupt it's gonna it's gonna be a big problem we've got i don't know what 100 trillion something more unfunded liabilities right the old population because of the ponzi scheme that is social security that the people who implemented the ponzi scheme they're dead they don't care they got them elected people love them for it they're long gone they don't give a crap that it's going to collapse the Ponzi scheme of social security is a real problem. And the more that the government's supposed to be involved in healthcare and providing healthcare, especially for elderly, um, and they're living longer and healthcare is getting more expensive, like they are a financial liability. And so if you want to say, okay, the deep state bureaucracy actually is on board with letting old people die, like that's actually, I mean, I, I that sounds conspiracy, <laughs> conspiratorial, but that actually would help them. That actually would help yeah. them. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's ties between, you know, those groups. Well, and as some people pointed out in chat just now, you know, the older generations, a lot of them have uh, lived through or have family members who, who've lived through the consequences of collectivism. So they yes. know what this is. They're yes. more likely to know what this is. They're not all, obviously. But... In general, I think older people are more likely to recognize collectivism for what it is, no matter what it calls itself, no matter how it sells itself. It's, it, this time in history, at this particular point in history, it's dressing itself up as social justice and anti-racism and feminism, guys. No, it's collectivism. Yeah. And they know it. And so they also um, – Somebody said in chat they were calling the they were calling COVID boomer remover, oh. like gleefully, well, you know. I mean, yeah. It. I mean, it is potentially. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it is. And some of the stuff I was reading in this uh, other article about the COVID stuff is that um, it's kind of recognized that lockdowns don't 
actually they can slow things down but what they do is they they delay herd immunity as well and so uh, actually, if you want to go for herd immunity, you need young, healthy people to get it and get over it um, and kind of build up some kind of herd immunity to protect the elderly. Otherwise, it drags on. So I don't know that this is a big conspiracy, but all these things are things to consider. And, you know, the idea that we can't be having these debates and discussions about the right thing to do and letting people make up their own mind. And actually, the U.S. is making it difficult to get hydrochloroquine and zinc. I mean, the zinc you can get, but... Um, you know, it's all because of political agendas. Uh, all right, let's do a couple super chats. Eagle Flight Farm says nothing, but they do give us 20 bucks. Thank you, Eagle Flight Farm. Uh, Thank you, it. Eagle. I recognize your name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a frequent super chatter, I think. Uh, let's see. Stu Blue 2. Stublu2 gives us five bucks and says, my German family's land was confiscated by Ukrainian communists in 1937. They killed my grandfather, but uh, my family, including my father, escaped to Siberia. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, but that's that's, that's to our that's point. What, the people who they do. lived through this or who have family who've lived through it and shared the stories with them, they recognize it for what it is, you know? Thank you, Stublu. I mean, if you haven't seen it, we got to do an interview with Konstantin Kissin recently, and that was a good one where I was wondering, what about you made you sort of inoculated against this ideology? Because he's a comedian, and a lot of comedians just fell all over themselves to get in line for the cult. And he talked about his family's history with communism. Yeah. And mm -hmm. another uh, another thing that this Stubutu's story um, highlights and this is not a, this is meant to explain perhaps how things were in Germany. Um, you know, so those of you who don't know, that's where Antifa kind of started, right? They're the anti-fascists, they were the communists, the Marxists fighting against the fascists. But I think because the communists were behaving like that, a lot, they, a lot of people were stuck in a false dichotomy mindset in Germany when they were like, well, I don't want the communists, so the only alternative is this fascist here. And obviously those aren't the only two alternatives. Yeah, but, this collectivist or this collectivist. Right. Hey, right. neither. Right, but because the communists were behaving like that, killing people, taking their land, all that kind of stuff, um, it was pretty clear that the communists were vile to a lot of people. And, and to them, I think in many ways, Hitler was probably a somewhat of an unknown. I mean, they knew he was kind of crazy, but, uh, you know, they viewed that as, as there was only two choices. Uh, and so they went with the other one. Um, and we got to break out of that cycle because I don't want to get stuck in a similar thing in the United States where we think the only two choices are some crazy fascist thing and Antifa, which is basically authoritarian Marxists instead of authoritarian, you know, whatevers. Um, like those aren't our only two choices. In fact, uh, they're the two most abhorrent choices that I can think of. But that is that is the biggest lie they're trying to sell you. One of the biggest lies they're trying to sell you right now is yep. that those are your choices. Right, and and they're that's making what, those your choices in their language. They're making those your choices, and because they're building up the the their boogeyman that they're fighting, they're pushing people into yes. the boogeyman that they're trying to create, the uh, white supremacy boogeyman. They're pushing people there. They depend on it. They want that. They want that because they want to have this enemy to fight and to make you think that these are the only two options. But you hear this this false dichotomy in the language they're pushing, the high priests of the movement. Um, Ibram X. Kendi 
has a book called How to Be an Anti-Racist. It yep. garbage. Okay, I, yep. I think I, I haven't read that one yet, like White Fragility, but based on the excerpts I've read, I can definitively say it's going to be garbage. Yep. One of the things he did, I watched one of his videos promoting it where he talks about it's not enough to be they always, they say this. It's not enough to be against racism. You have to be actively anti-racist. Oh, really? What does active actively anti-racist mean? Marxist. Find out what they mean by that. You know what they mean by that? They mean racist. Yes. That's what they're calling it. But they mean it, you have to actively judge people and treat people differently on the basis of race. That's how we're going to fix that other racism. No, it's not. It's not. These are not. These are two false, awful choices. I'm not picking white supremacy, and I'm not picking your equally racist and abhorrent social justice racism. I'm not picking either. Well, and that's why you see this everywhere. There's only two choices in their mind, right? You're either white or a person of color. That's two choices. Uh, you're either you're either anti-racist or like a racist. Okay, those are the two. Like anti-racist is their form of racism, or you're the other kind of racism. All right, you're mm -hmm. either with them on the SJW left, or you're a Trumpian. You people see all the time, like, oh, you must have voted for Trump. You're a Trump. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Like everything is like you're either this specific thing that we are, or everything else is categorized as alt-right Nazi racist. Blah, 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 right. So that's how they they're creating that false dichotomy intentionally. Some of my progressive friends who are, and I mean actually progressive, like Jimmy Dore kind of progressive. Some of my progressive friends who are starting to use their voice to speak out against the social justice authoritarianism on the left and are starting to try and make a case that it's not progressivism, the same way I try to make a case that it is not liberalism. So some of those friends, progressives now, I'm talking, you know, people who probably voted for Bernie, who um, appreciate uh, Cornell West, who believe in socialized medicine, who right. are anti-police brutality, anti-actually anti, anti anti-war, you know, all these, but not social justice. Um, as left as you can get, like Noam Chomsky, right? Kind of left. Okay, yep. they're now being called, <laughs> they're having, now that they're starting to speak a little bit, they're now being lumped in in this way. And, and it's funny when it happens to someone for the first time, because I remember when it first happened to me, and you're like, what? It, they'll be talking with someone, and the person's like, oh, you people. And it's like, what do you mean by you people? You Trump support? It's like, I'm the furthest thing from a Trump supporter. <laughs> right. Yeah. When, when Jimmy Dore and Richard Spencer are in the same category, you, you may want to rethink your category. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I find that hilarious when they call progressives, uh, you alt-right Trump. What? You don't even know who you're talking to. You're just making crazy assumptions. Right. Because you think everyone who disagrees with your cult has to be this right. other thing. And yeah, as I've mentioned before, that in the Antifa handbook, if you read the Antifa handbook, it's pretty clear that that's actually um, – that is how they think. They make it very clear that like you're either with us or against us and against yeah. us is fascist. They believe that they, they honestly, I think they honestly and truly believe that the only alternative to Marxism is fascism, that they totally believe that everything that's not Marxist is fascist. That's, that's why they call you fascist because you're not Marxist. That's all it means is non-Marxist to them. Uh, but of course, to sane people, it means something else, and you might be offended about like, why the hell am I being called a fascist? Well, that's why. Um, let's do some more super chats. Uh, Anonymous Angler 
Someone says five bucks and says, the ideas are in outdoor circles too. Apparently the leave no trace principles are gatekeeping to minorities and public <laughs> lands are inherently racist. Wait a minute, what? Yes. So th- this, is, this, this is true, Carter. They've actually been, um, if you, we've done this test before where they they say everything's racist. They look at everything through the lens of race and you enter something like the word hiking and racism and you will find a ton of articles. Enter any word. It's a game. It's a fun game. Put like breathing and racism and you'll find articles about how whatever that word is you put in there is racist. So, yeah, I, it's, it doesn't surprise me they're in outdoor circles because there have been a plethora of articles from social justice journalists about how um, about how hiking, the hiking community, the great outdoors and all this stuff is like somehow racist and harms marginalized people. And, you know, it's not inclusive but, but enough. How are so no leave no trace principles. So what well, they're saying the is like minorities can't not leave a trace. They can't leave yeah, no trace. Soft, it's the soft bigotry of low expectations. It's the same way they say that anybody who's not white uh, can't be on time. They say these really racist things all the time. Oh, they can't be on time and they can't be held to academic standards and they, they can't be expected not to litter <laughs> with the <laughs> camping. It's, it's so racist. racist. It's so racist. It's 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 racist to the point of being funny, though. At this point, it's yeah. just, it's yeah. All right. So apparently now, only whites have the superpower of not throwing shit on the ground, of not littering. <laughs> not littering. Only only the whitey. All right. Next, Marie Busky. You want to read Marie's? Uh, I can't. Marie. Hi, Marie. Okay. Marie says uh, New Zealand has been COVID-free in community for two months, but yesterday the government announced that we need to stock up on masks. Why? Well, the election is in six weeks. Yep. That's an interesting observation, Marie. I've been saying for a while, I think, uh, here in the States, that if Trump loses, we're going to stop hearing about COVID pretty quickly after that. I think it'll die down. If he loses, they won't need to use it anymore. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Thank I you, think they Marie. do like the. I think they're getting off on it. Like I think we've hit on some leftist kink. I think they just like it. <laughs> like seriously, I oh, think gosh. we're in some like. I I've think we're in some, some like weird leftist kink world where they're like, yeah, <laughs> masks. Let's control everyone. Like. I, they're loving it. Well, they, I don't know they, that it'll go away. I think they like it. It is a thing of control. Like they love it. They, I've seen so many disappointing videos now of humans behaving in awful ways towards other humans. I saw one the other day of a, a man and woman in Manhattan Beach, California, who they were walking by two guys. The two guys were not wearing masks. They were eating burritos. And the woman yells at them about not wearing a mask and throws a, a steaming cup of hot coffee all over the guy. For not wearing a mask while he's, while eating, a he's eating a burrito. Yeah. And I'm like, what is what? But there's something in that type of personality, right? That that gets off on controlling other people. And they feel emboldened now. They feel emboldened to um, this whole Karen thing, this whole thing, the real meaning of Karen, which mm-hmm. is like a snitch and a controlling authoritarian who wants to call and report their neighbors to the authorities. It's like, there's something about they feel emboldened as if this is a, a valid way of behaving. And it's just it's just not. I saw a friend who's on the left shared an article about how it the, the headline was something like um, students at some school, students um, took pictures of their classmates who weren't wearing masks 
they've been suspended now. And I was thinking, reading that headline, uh, does it mean the students who weren't wearing the masks were suspended? And gosh, what, look at those little snitch Karens in the class taking pictures of their... And, and then I scroll down to the comments and I see that what my friend is upset about is that the students weren't wearing masks. Like, we were upset about totally <laughs> different things. I'm upset about the snitches and the, the desire to control other people instead of controlling yourself. Don't send your kids to school. Don't go to the store if you're afraid of encountering someone without a mask. It's a personal choice issue. You have control. Again, this goes back to what you have control over. You have control over this. We haven't, I haven't lived, you know, do you, we don't live in a world where you get to say that your neighbor can't go to work because of your paranoid Unfortunately, we do, fear. but we shouldn't. I mean, we are living in that world now, but we shouldn't be living in that world. Shouldn't. Your fear doesn't trump my right to, you know, feed my family. I mean, yeah. And I think a lot of people, this is the other side of individualism. Like a lot of people think like, oh, I'm an individualist because I don't want people to tell me what to do. And that's true. That's one side of being an individualist. But that's the easy side. The flip side of that is you got to give up. You got to give up your desire yes. to tell other people what to do. Yes. Or you're not an individualist. You can't, yes. you can't have it both ways. You can't be like, I'm an individualist because I don't want to be told what to do, but you better do because I don't like, I don't like this and I don't like that. And I don't like that. Like, well, you're not an individualist. You're just a narcissist. Uh, that's what that is. Um, by the way, Dizzy Death Doll in chat says, don't kink shame my mask. <laughs> I'm not kink shaming. And actually in kink, consent is required and they don't have our consent. Uh, so this is not valid kink it's just they're forcing their kink on us um meegs, meegs thank you meegs says go ahead, read so it. can i just say that this community is one of the most friendly and hilarious i've seen thank you for the super chat and using it to say that i think so too i love the people in chat it's fun you guys crack me up uh it's a Wanna good it's bother? a good thing to be cracked friday why bother the vast majority Overseeing one fact, World War II was started by fascists and communists in alliance, and communists killed as many people in the process. I think they mean overlooking, uh, and right. yes. Okay. And then communism yeah. went on to kill way more. I mean, communism's yeah. death count makes fascism look like a, you know, a, slight, a little party game. I mean, <laughs> communism's death count is enormous compared to fascism. Not that fascism's death count is excusable, obviously, but... Uh, yeah, and notice how when you your kids are taught, and maybe many of you went to school, you learned all about how evil the Nazis were. Good. Glad you learned that. That's true. Probably didn't say boo about the communists, right? You didn't, did you learn about the whole Demore? Did you learn about nope. the Cambodian killing fields? Did you learn about nope. uh, the Mao's China? Like, no, 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 you know, no. And, and you have to ask why. Why did we learn about the evils of one kind of collectivism and not the other? Well, that's because the answer for the for people who don't already know this, academia was infiltrated by intentionally, intentionally infiltrated by critical theorists who were basically Marxists who were frustrated that Marxist predictions didn't come true and said, okay, well, we have to find another way to make them happen. And part of that way is by infiltrating uh, academia. And then and then they went on and merged with some postmodernism and found out some great ways to massively influence our culture. Great in quotes. 
um, or at least effective ways. Uh, and here we are. You want to read the next one, Carrie? Uh, you have to take a bathroom break. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Uh, Daniel Harp. Thank you, Daniel. Daniel says, I've been screenshotting and saving Merriam-Webster definitions on words of words before they begin to change. Love y'all's work. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, good idea. Um, I actually have, I think I, I bought this maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Go. I won't go get it, but behind me on the bookshelf on the bottom is a super old dictionary. I think it's from the 1930s. Um, if you can go to an old bookstore, if you're interested in this kind of stuff and you want to go to an old bookstore, go buy the oldest dictionaries you can buy. It's, it's useful because you can, uh, you can double check when, when words start getting used in a way that you think, oh, I don't doesn't seem right, or maybe they've changed this. Um, you can go back and look at, I mean, I also have some from the 80s. So I've got, I've got like super early ones and then the 80s. There's not too much difference, but there's sometimes some difference in words there. And then and then now, and you can certainly see, and we've seen uh, dictionary.com, uh, we've seen Merriam-Webster uh, online. They've announced that they're redefining racism, right? And um, they've already have the systemic part in it a little bit, uh, but they're going to they're gonna change to the, power plus privilege definition. It's important to uh, be aware of those word changes and uh, and oppose them, but at least if they trickle into the mainstream this way, which isn't surprising, by the way, right? Because who do you think runs, I mean, it's not a bunch of engineers working at Merriam-Webster. It's English majors and like people from the humanities departments who have been, they were woke before woke was a thing. So of course it's, you know, they're just doing it They've been wanting to change those definitions for a long time. They're just doing it now because uh, they can get away with it now. They think that now is the time they can get away with it. Um, next one is from Why Bother? Uh, 10 bucks or 10 euro for a Ninja Kitty. All righty. Thank you. Ninja Kitty, you'll have to tell me um, what that's about later. I'm sending you something to share. This is given that you're talking about the dictionaries and yep. how they've gone woke. Mm. Did you see this from dictionary.com? Yes, I did. It was someone tweeted at us the the turf. They 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 defined the word turf. Um, and not only did they define it, they did a tweet. Right. Where they said beware the turf. Beware the turf. Which right. is uh, which is am I wrong Carter isn't that telling us what we should think about turfs? Uh, about the people that they call turfs? Yeah, you don't it's have like, to ask me. I think you know you're not turfs wrong Turfs are bad people. <laughs> yeah. Turfs are awful. The people that we call turfs are bad people. That's what that means. Yep, yep. And so for those who don't know, that's a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. I think um, one of the most, one of the early women to suffer the fate of being uh, thrown, being had that label thrown at her and um, and canceled was Megan Murphy uh, for being a turf. I mean, and it now they call her, Jake... But, you know. Basically, anybody who believes in um, any feminist who believes in biological sex, that biological sex is real <laughs> and a real thing, you're in danger of being called a TERF. It, it has nothing to do with whether you want to exclude transgender people from women's only spaces or not. They call everyone a TERF. And they even call people who are not feminist TERFs. Like Nicole of the Mountain People pointed out, I saw her post, well, I'm not a radical feminist, so I can't I'm be a, a trans. She said, I'm a, I guess I'm a trans-exclusionary normie, so I'm a 10. <laughs> <laughs> Go Nicole's Mountain, people. Nicole's a 10. You heard it here. 
Uh, all right, let's do Daniel Harp. Daniel Harp gives us uh, five bucks and says, fighting fire with fire does not equal fighting racism with racism. True. Right. Right. Uh, you should not fight racism with racism. That's different. Uh, because you're fighting racism. Yeah, never mind. Get it, get into that. Uh, and fighting with fire, fire with fire is even an analogy a little bit. Uh, I think I think we're done. I think we're, we're through super chats, right? Cool. I I don't so, I don't think I missed if I missed anyone. Let me know, Ninja or Beverly. But I think I think we're good. I just want to say thank you again to everyone who donated for at our um, subscribe star, so that we can go to the conference next week. I'm very excited. Yes. We're gonna get some interviews. And um, also book club coming up on August 23rd, so you can get a copy. I heard, I think Beverly said there's a free copy on, maybe it was Audible or somewhere. There's a free copy, ask Beverly, um, but you can also buy it on Amazon through our um, affiliate link if you go to our book club page, and we'll be doing the discussion on uh, August 23rd. And we have another super chat. We do, and uh, I love the super chat. So let's put it up here. TPS sends us five bucks and says, culpability requires agency. If I have no free will, then I'm wholly innocent. Sin requires knowledge and choice. Yes, and so not not only not only is that 100% correct, correct so thank you, TPS. Uh, so does virtue. So you don't get credit for something. You don't have a choice in doing. So for example, I'm just going to use it in the tax example. You get credit for donating to charity of your own free will, but you don't get moral credit for being taxed and having that money go to charity. When you are, when money is forcibly removed from you and given to someone else, you lost the ability. You're robbed of the ability to earn moral credit for that. You don't get credit for that. It doesn't matter because you didn't do it. You didn't choose it. Um, you, your, your sins and virtues are functions of your behavior. And if you can't behave... If it's not if it's not up to you, then neither virtue nor nor sin accrues to you. Uh, I like that. That's a good yeah. way to end. Yeah. I next time I want to remind me I want to talk about some of this FISA stuff next time. But I know it's been a long okay. show. Our shows are running long generally. So, but I want to talk about next time. I want to talk about this FISA stuff. We don't talk about politics much, but this FISA stuff has been it's amazing. Okay. What's going on? I will so, read up on it in advance. All right. Um, thank you, everyone. Have a good weekend, you guys. And don't have forget to like, share, weekend. subscribe. Uh, Meek don't says, to have fun. "Can you film Carter having fun?" Mm. Yes. I'm being filmed having um, fun told- right now, Meeks. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. This is what it looks like. That's, I told Carter we're gonna do. This is totally a joke. I just like screwing with him on text sometimes. But I am learning interpretive dance to The Edge of Seventeen by Phoenix. And I, and I texted him and said, Don't worry, your part your part is minor. And then it, and then it was the from Dirty Dancing, the very difficult lifting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm game if you are, but your your uh it's your bodily injury that will will result in that really hard thing. <laughs> uh, we, we have a couple more super chats so we're not allowed to go yet um, why bother says dictionaries bending the knee is the saddest thing commies in USSR killed most intelligent people at a, as a first priority see the parallels yes um, it is a sad thing but it's an expected thing because this is it's like 
The dictionaries have been, I actually think the dictionaries have been controlled by the enemy for quite some time. They are just, this is an opportunistic, they've believed in that definition for racism for a while. They just know they can't get away with it yet. So now they can get away with it. That's all it is. They do these things incrementally. Yeah, they're gonna mm. they're gonna change the definition of biological sex and or women soon. Just right. They're taking a little bit longer to do it. That's all. Okay, last last one. Twenty bucks. Uh, thank you for Eagle Flight Farm. It says look up what is happening in Norman, Oklahoma. Going out now to collect petition sigs to recall our mayor and city council. I will look it up. Thank you, Eagle Flight Farm. Cool. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good weekend, everyone. Take care. Bye, guys. We will see you on. Monday. Monday. Take care. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. Twitter tells me there is a 98.2% chance that these are all Russian bots. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Pay no attention to doctors who disagree with bureaucrats at Facebook and YouTube. Computer voice, Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.